You're listening to the Off the Line Soccer Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Line. My name's Jack. I'm joined today by Jake and Aiden, as always. Uh, how are you guys doing? Hi, Jack. Hayden. I'm doing good. And yeah, not much. Obviously, a, a big week of action midweek in the, the two Champions League games in the Europa League and um, a, a good slate of weekend fixtures as well. So just just really excited to to get my fix for this weekend and see what happens over the, the course of the weekend. Aiden, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Just, yeah, season's winding down. Just getting ready to watch the, the finals and, and the important games, but not much else. Just going through life. How are you, Jack? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm I'm done for the season. I don't I don't care what happens for the rest of the season. Everton, this team is absolutely shocking. And just every single time that you think they're going to do something, they let you down. So no matter what happens for the rest of the season, I don't really have any expectations whatsoever. Just waiting for the summer and waiting for the fans to get back in the stadium for next year, and it'll be hopefully much better. But uh, I'll touch on that in a little bit. Today we're going to go over. Uh, the Manchester United protests at Old Trafford for the Liverpool game. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll quickly touch on the Everton game, but then other than that, we'll talk about the Champions League and Europa League games that took place and what we think is going to happen uh, in the finals of those two games. And I guess we can start, we'll start with the United protests for the Manchester United against the Liverpool game uh, a week ago. Come to you guys, you guys will know more about it than me, and I'm, all of us are going to agree on this, but it is important to touch on it. Uh, initial thoughts, Jake. What, like, we, we obviously we know what started it, but uh, how do you think it went? Yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't have a problem with it at all. And I think it was, it was successful, I guess, because um, the fans got got others to to take notice, which was the main thing: take notice and, and make their feelings known in a in a demonstrative way, which was good from my point of view obviously you you see the the reports which unfortunately happen at every protest where there you know there are people that were well i think in this case there was like a policeman that was sent to hospital with injuries and i think there might have been like a police horse or something that was injured so obviously just to start off with that that's obviously not acceptable and that's not obviously it's not like it doesn't demonstrate like what most united fans kind of want from this like obviously like myself and Aiden United fans, not, we wouldn't go down there just to, you know, hit a police officer or a whore. So um, just kind of wanted to clear that off from the off. But I think uh, other than that, it was pretty successful. I mean, it, it was kind of not ridiculous, but it's kind of mind blowing that, that the biggest fixture in, in English football obviously rivaled with, you know, Everton, Liverpool, and who knows, London, or Arsenal versus Spurs and stuff like that. But I, in my opinion, obviously just the, the biggest fixture in English football was postponed due to the fans actions and mostly peaceful actions. So that was good. Um, you, obviously it was kind of funny. There were some videos being leaked, just uh, fans on the field, the, the one guy on top of the net who fell off when someone shot the ball into the net and made him fall. That was, that was pretty hilarious, but um, I think it was, it was good. And the fact that United since I think the end of this, uh, the, not the end, but you know what I mean? The, closure whatever of the of the super league um united have had two separate statements from joel glazer obviously he didn't write them himself but just the fact that that he was the one that that released it um kind of shows that the the actions are working and, and they're being heard because i think in the in the 16 years since since uh 
like himself and his brothers and his father at the time had bought not his father at the time anyway uh had bought united there hadn't been any um communication from them which was obviously one of the main issues with the ownership and obviously it's it's not nowhere near what the fans want but it's a start and um yeah just you kind of kind of see like what what the fans wanted out of it then it was unfortunate because there was another brother i think it was avram glazer who had a chance to like explain um what was happening and i think there was a, a journalist who was following him i think it was in in florida um and and he just declined to say a single word so it kind of shows that obviously they they don't care they they all don't care but hopefully the more action is coming and hopefully they're they're starting to listen and and understand really what the fans want from them and and who knows you know the the sooner the club is sold the better so hopefully that's that's underway but i obviously i i think it would take a long time and like a a lot of money and a lot of different people involved but hopefully they they kind of start to realize that that nobody wants them there and and that uh, the club would be better off as soon as they're gone and hopefully they because they could still make a, a lot of money a lot more money than they paid for the club if they sold at the moment so uh, hopefully that's a that's a big enough temptation for them and they they do that so that's kind of it from me for that uh aiden what do you think yeah i don't really have too much to touch on about the impact of the protest because i think it's obvious that the end goal of everyone that's protesting or the United fans, they want the Glazers to get out of the club. So hopefully uh, this is just a springboard for more action in the future. And then that's the final result. But yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, I was a bit disappointed with the people that broke into the ground and stuff. I don't really think that was necessary. Uh, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that that happened at other protests like at Chelsea and and at Arsenal. So I don't really think that violence and stuff like that is very necessary to get your message across. And in fact, it really just detracts from the message, in my opinion, uh, and makes other people be able to kind of question your motives and question what you're doing. So, yeah, overall, I think it was mostly successful and um, it it did make big waves because of canceling the game, but I don't think some people want to uh, about it the right way, but you summed it up pretty well. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I, I agree with what you guys were saying. Like, obviously like you touched on Jake, there was like maybe one supporter who, who, who went a little bit too far in terms of the, the violence, which is something that you never want to see. But overall, if there's a group of that many people, if you get one person doing that, not saying it's right, but it's not anything overly surprising and every united fan has condemned that and said like they shouldn't have done that so but uh it's 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 interesting that the english media a lot of the time just just look for the little things to take away from the main point of what was going on and talking about how many united were many united fans attacking the it was very much a peaceful protest and also the fact that because it was a protest and I saw a lot of different media outlets and saying stuff like the club should organize a certain time for the fans to protest which completely defeats the purpose of a protest in my opinion because no matter what happens like a protest it, it shouldn't there shouldn't be any violence or anything but protests are supposed to make things un- uncomfortable and, and unorganized in my opinion like that's how you that's how you create change and, and make differences so you know you can't just say oh we're going to protest 
at this time and that time is going to be decided by the like by the glazers or by the club that sort of thing because they can plan for that obviously they i don't think they planned um the like they the club didn't expect <clears throat> sorry the club didn't expect that many people to turn up but uh in terms of the the impact that it had i think that it's it's a good thing that that all of them went and they're supposed to make things uncomfortable if that means that they have to cancel the game that sort of thing that'll only lead to change and it's a it's a positive thing in my opinion and i think that like, i'm pretty sure from what i've read is there's there's going to be more protests i'm not sure how how big they are but like like i'm sure you guys as fans would be willing to see games continue to be postponed if it if it meant that they would sell the club so uh, I think that's that they have the fan like we've seen I saw that video that you were talking about Jake with with Avram Glazer first of all that guy's that guy's got the worst haircut I've ever seen in my life so if, if you're listening look look up that video you'll see it I've never seen a worse haircut in my entire life and yeah he came across very very poorly although he's probably just trying to stay out of any legalities but um the the fans are supposed to make things uncomfortable and you can't really create any sort of change unless you're causing some sort of discomfort but uh yeah i think i think that's good and the, the other thing about the protest i watched some some videos on it because man united are such a big and invaluable club um but because of that debt they are in a uh, a pretty poor financial situation if you really look at it uh, it, it would be difficult for not difficult, but there's only a select few uh, people or organizations that overall, one, have the actual um, capital to buy a club, and then two, actually understand how to run football and that sort of thing. So it might be it might be tough, but if we're just talking about the protests, I think everybody agrees that it was very successful and it created so many news headlines like we saw it over here we saw it on cnn and Vox and everything they'd they'd post that whereas they would never never do that otherwise if the games weren't canceled that sort of thing but yeah overall i thought it was successful completely back what they were doing and uh, it, hopefully it puts puts pressure on the ownership the, the, the main problem i have is that they the owners because they're so separated from from the communities and the last thing i'll say i touched on a little bit last week they're they're separated from the communities and i think us as fans who aren't from if like you got you guys aren't from manchester i'm not liverpool sporting sporting everton and, and when you're a fan of a club and you're not actually from the local community they, there's all this talk about legacy fans and that sort of thing i think that when when we look at it it's definitely a, in our positions as a fan across like across um the other side of the world it's definitely a privilege to be able to watch these teams and support these teams but at the very end of the day they should be about the local communities and those match going fans on like season ticket holders should definitely be a priority and it's sad that it's sad that uh the, these owners just don't don't understand that and don't really care but yeah again last thing i'll say the 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 protests were successful in my opinion and wouldn't be surprised and would definitely support support them if if they continued and it's good to see it's also good to see united fans were definitely the biggest turnout along with with arsenal fans for this but hopefully we see other other fans uh like kind of take this opportunity to create change and and see what they want to um, to happen with their own clubs because they definitely do deserve deserve a voice but 
Yeah. Do you have anything else to add, guys? No, I think you, you summed it up pretty well. It's just going back to the video with Avram Glazer. Yeah, the, the hair is horrible. Um, but it, it's just sad because you see them releasing the statements this week. And obviously, like most people don't think it comes directly from them, but their names are still credited to them, which has never really been the case since they've been here. It was just a chance just to build bonds with the fans. Like, like obviously, I think he, he's smart enough to realize that the fans won't like him no matter what. But just the the way like that that video has made like many fans like angry and just disappointed it's just like it was just such an easy like pr opportunity to just explain himself or basically do anything and uh yeah they could literally do anything and the fans would have a higher regard for them than they have now but then they just chose to stay silent like you said maybe it was like due to some legal whatever but i just kind of have the feeling that he didn't really just care enough and didn't want to explain himself but other than that, i think we've kind of touched on everything which is which was pretty good um but yeah, Aiden, I don't know if you have any any last comment to make. Just wanted to make it clear that like if there was another club, um, like we've seen with uh, Liverpool fans in the past and, and other clubs like having misconducts that it kind of gets the same sort of attention, even though that were the kind of biased United fans, like someone abusing a police officer or, or like lighting lighting the Everton building on fire, like those things aren't acceptable no matter the fan base. I mean, obviously there are different levels and a different number of people uh, kind of with those indiscretions, but I just wanted to make sure that people know that we're not like really biased in that sense and that's not acceptable at all. But other than that, yeah, I think you guys covered it really well. And like Jack said, I don't really get like too hasty with it because there's only, like I said, I think the last time we talked about it, there's only a select few people who can really take over the club in terms of the whole entire world. So it's not a very good probability if you're looking at it that way. But so I think it'll uh, kind of take a long time. It'll be a long process, even if someone was going to buy the club. Uh, not the same, but kind of how we saw with Newcastle, a long drawn out process. And as soon as we there'll be reports early on and then it'll be kind of a long legal process. Right. So I'm sure we'll be able to cover it long into the future, but that's it. Yeah, for sure. It's just, yeah, it's, it, it'll, it'll take a while. It's complicated because the club's so big, but ho hopefully there's change because even from the video, like, like you said, Jake, the legalities involved, but the Glazer, Avram Glazer with the shocking haircut, just you can you can tell just not a not a good guy did not come across well even if you don't say anything say oh good morning and then walk away and don't answer the questions it was just straight get in the car get in the whatever it was like rolls royce or i don't know just didn't come across well not a good guy doesn't seem good so hopefully there's change uh quickly touch on everton taking on villa last week in um in a shocking game a terrible game Villa just running through Everton's midfield for the entire entire 90 minutes. Everton have the slow. I don't have a lot to say on this game. And like I said earlier, I'm tired. I just want the season to be over. Uh, luckily, DeCorey's back for the game against West Ham tomorrow and, and Spurs lost against Leeds today. So Everton, technically, it's still in their own hands to get Europe. But with this group of players, I have absolutely no faith. And part of it is just, well, most of it is just down to athleticism also a lot of it Ancelotti like obviously just because you criticize him doesn't mean you want him out but it deserves a lot of criticism because Everton have one of the worst home records in the league I believe they've currently got their worst home record 
in in the Premier League era in the club's history. So it's not good. And when when you like Villa aren't a bad team, but Everton have lost to Burnley, they've lost to Villa, they've lost to Newcastle, they've lost to Fulham, they've been very bad at home and. I would expect some sort of progress or some sort of expectation and understanding how the team's supposed to set up. But at this point with these current players and in, in, in this squad, I'm not seeing it yet. That doesn't mean it can't change. Hopefully in the summer, once they make those signings, uh, it, it'll balance out the squad a little bit and it won't be so one dimensional or like one game plan of give the Hamas Rodriguez the ball or give the ball to Luca Deem to cross or Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but that right now, that's all it is. So not, not looking forward to the game against West Ham tomorrow. But like I said, I'm, I'm patient. The club needs stability. Stick with Ancelotti, give him good players, and he will get the results, whether, whether that's the easiest way or most efficient way to build the club up or build a squad is, is another story, but that's completely out of the fans' control. But just need stability. Get, get Ancelotti some better players clear some of the squad out like Andre Gomez can leave. He doesn't offer anything. Mason Holgate with one of the worst defensive performances I've seen from a player this season and from an Everton player in a very long time. This guy thinks he's Rio Ferdinand at the back, but he's he's just giving the ball to Ollie Watkins falling over and Watkins going in scoring who he's a very good player, but um, yeah, just overall, I think there could be, there needs to be a lot of changes in the transfer window. And I know, financial situation is not the best with COVID, but I'd like to see the club just take some some players that maybe most of us haven't heard of, maybe some bargains like Rafinha from Leeds. I think what he costs, like, I think he costs like 15 mil or 18 million or something. And he's amazing. That sort of thing. Just take some risks, get some pace, please. They don't even have to be good. Honestly, Dan James would be like, he would be perfect for the right hand side. He will just sprint down the line. That's what we need pace. I'm not saying sign Dan James, but players in that mold, just get pace. I'm just waiting for the summer and I'll stop rambling. Now, do you guys have any, anything to say? I don't even know if you watch the game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you if you, if you didn't, it was, it was terrible, but just quick thoughts on the result or maybe the Everton situation. Yeah. So uh, I did watch me and Aiden watch this game uh, together. And obviously I, I just had to miss the ending of it because I had to go to work. But I think I remember from the beginning, obviously it was a, a full week ago and there's a lot of games that have happened since then. So I don't quite remember the details clearly, but I, I feel like it was, it was quite an entertaining game. And I think I remember seeing um, some Everton fans at halftime and after the game, when I checked out the highlights and stuff, some Everton fans saying, um, like this is why Carlo has to play defensively. This is why he it's not like a choice that he wants to make. It's basically something that he's been forced into because otherwise um everything kind of get caught out. And the home form is surprising. Like I I know a couple of weeks ago when I brought up the stat that they have the worst home form in the whole league and I thought it might have just been an anomaly or a blip or something, but they keep dropping points at home, which is kind of shock, uh, kind of shocking. I don't know. Maybe that's due to you know being the fans club and the players have like a special affinity with the fans and the fans, you know, they they get the players up for it or anything. I don't know if that's it. Obviously, it's kind of the opposite. You kind of imagine like Arsenal or Spurs or Newcastle this season, like the fans would be bringing the players down. So I don't know if playing behind closed doors has had um, a detrimental effect uh, with Everton's home form, but I'm not too sure. But um yeah basically that's kind of it there's not much to go over like you mentioned just uh at least the europa league is dream is still alive otherwise it's a conference league but i don't i don't want to skip uh, aiden's turn i'm sure we'll get back to him but i saw the 
Jack, I know we, we both saw him, the, the speed charts on, on the athletic. Um, what would you think about those from the, from the Everton players? Yeah. So what Jake is referring to, there was, there was, uh, I think it was Patty Boyle and who reports for the athletic. He does everything, everything Everton does a really good job. So you should check his stuff out, but he released some, some charts about the, the top, the speeds, um, of, Everton center midfielders and Everton center backs and, and, uh, and use percentiles for it in relation to the speeds of the other players in the leagues in those positions. Um, so there's definitely positives and negatives. Abdullahi Dekure, so the, our, our most important player in the team because the only game we won when he was injured, and he's back tomorrow, thank God, but the only game we won is against Arsenal, and that was a burnt Leno own goal, which we shouldn't have won that game. But I think Decore, he was in the like, like he was in like the 90, 95th percentile in the league. And then you get the others like, like Allen, who who's not he's not fast. And then you get Tom Davis and Andre Gomez, Gilfie Sigurdsson are like, like fifty percent, fiftieth percentile and below. So in in relation to the other players in the league, very 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 slow. And then likewise with center back Ben Godfrey, in the, right up there at the very very top of the charts but then obviously Mina Keen and Mason Holgate who like Jake we were talking we thought Mason Holgate when he was younger he kind of maybe seemed pretty fast because he's playing with like Ashley Williams and Phil Jagielka but turns out statistically he's not very fast which could definitely be seen on that goal from Ollie Watkins because like Holgate starts running and then just completely gets out muscled and and outpaced by Watkins but uh, I guess the bright spark to that is the fact that since Ancelotti's come in it's been Decore and Godfrey have been those signings and both of them are, are very quick, but yeah, Jake, very, like, like you said, very, very slow. And, and that is part of the, uh, part of the reason Ancelotti has to play defensively, whether, whether fans like it or not, just get absolutely exposed in midfield and in defense because these players physically are so slow that even in terms of attacking and everything, maybe Ancelotti, he's not even working on the attacking patterns of play because these guys like should even bother because these guys have to play so deep and just try to hit on the counter but yeah again like like i said we need pace in the summer but those those charts were shocking but uh continue yeah that's pretty much all i had to say it's just obviously just as a neutral you everton are kind of the right model of club like we obviously in the, in the last couple of weeks we've talked a lot about clubs and owners and stuff and you see like the everton owners are always there and they invest like what they can in the team it's clear they they care for the squad or yeah for the squad the club and i'm not gonna say the fans deserve better but the fans would definitely be hoping for for much better product and and just getting back into into europe just i think it's been a while i think probably what three four years jack since everton's been in europe so i'm sure um even if it's maybe not the conference league, but even the Europa League, I'm sure that would be a just delightful for the Everton fans to be able to see their team compete against uh, other teams in Europe. And you know, if there's fans there, obviously make the away trip for some of them. Yeah, for sure. I'll just like we belong in the conference league. Let's be honest. Like, look <laughs> at this team. We we belong. Uh, that's where we belong. Everton at this point in time, the basket case of a club. We we belong in the conference with like Spurs or something. I don't know, but. Yeah, that, that's all I have to say. Do you have anything to add about the game? Uh, not too much. Just it was an exciting, exciting match. It was wide open. Um, the, uh, I, how much more defensive? Uh, like, was it just the instructions, or like, what 
what was what could Carlo have done to be more defensive? I just just looked wide open there for me, but does he really put out like a different lineup for the most part? Usually, I'm not I'm not sure what was going on there, but it was an exciting game to watch, so I was happy with that. It was it wasn't boring at least. And other than that, uh, I don't really remember the actual what happened during the match. But I was just going to say, you guys already touched on it. The one thing that I saw from those charts charts uh the speed charts i looked at them as well as i thought mason holgate was much faster than like michael Keane and yerry mina but i guess not <laughs> based on the percentiles there wasn't too much difference he was just a little bit ahead of them so that was a bit of a shock to me and just everybody there making ben draw for you look like an absolute animal and that's all i have to say yeah, to be fair, Ben Godfrey, to be fair, even though those guys are all apparently unbelievably slow and Mason Holgate being absolutely exposed in that chart, uh, Ben Godfrey is one of the fastest players I've seen play for Everton. Like once he gets into his stride, he is an absolute machine. Like he, he's just built, like he's just an absolute monster. Not the tallest, but in terms of a recovery pace and stuff, he's, he's very fast. And then just a shout out to Tom Davis, who I believe was in like the 25th percentile for sprint speed, <laughs> which is not his game, but like, hopefully they do something to improve on that. Cause that is, that is a definitely a hindrance in the Premier League. I don't think you can get away with being that slow, but last thing about Everton, let's just get some pace in the summer and pace will make a huge difference. And, and once we have some players who can like actually run, and, and like we say that as a joke, but these guys are so I bet all three of us in a in a foot race with some of these Everton players, I genuinely think we beat some of them. But uh, yeah, get some pace in the summer. I've given up on the season. So it is a little bit. It's not there's no pressure from me anymore. I'm just watching and being like, yep, this is the slowest team of all time. Let's see if we can make it to the summer. Just like I say every year. And then we just go in this continuous, uh, continuous cycle of pretty slow poor players but that's enough about Everton we'll move on to the Champions League game so yeah yeah we'll start with uh, PSG against Manchester City we'll just talk about the tie overall guys I thought that Man City as much as we we don't like them you guys more so than me and we don't like about their ownership it was very much the the <laughs> the the Darby of two teams who we really don't like but PSG, Man City, I thought Man City, they're very impressive, especially in that second leg. I, they, they, they look like they're going to win the whole thing. They're very, very, very good. I was very impressed. They kept their team. And although, uh, although Guardiola, although Guardiola has that squad at his disposal, his, his, his number of trophies is, is unbelievable and it seems like this time he hasn't overthought anything and he's just stuck with the the tactics that he's used in previous games and they just do look like they're, they're on another level phil foden this guy is much better i thought he was going to be the breakout star for this season but he's already hit a level that i just didn't expect from him but they're just a very good team and psg are just like an absolute bunch of divas like you have Neymar, who I love, but you can't argue. He's definitely got the ego and probably got an attitude problem. Di Maria, you guys know he has an attitude problem. Like Marco Verratti. They have some of them. Marco Verratti as well. Some of those guys have the most punchable faces I've ever seen. They, It's like as soon as they have any adversity, any sort of adversity or don't things don't go their way, they just absolutely lose their minds. But uh, just overall, what are your thoughts? Jake, I'll come to you first. What were your thoughts about the the tie and overall from both teams. 
Yeah, not not to repeat the last thing that you just said, but the main the main note I, I made on my on my paper here during the game was that PSG lose their heads in the face of adversity. Pretty much exactly what you said. So uh, obviously, it's clear to to more than me, which is which is good. But like you mentioned, just the, the Di Maria red card, it was kind of just needless and, and ridiculous. Like your team's in a tough time. Obviously, there's probably no coming back from that point. But why not just give yourself the best shot? It is kind of annoying that Fernandinho got away with like kicking players all game without a yellow card, which really enrages me because I don't like Fernandinho at all. I just think he's that kind of player. But um, yeah, yeah that not... was unbelievable. I don't know yeah. how he got away with that. I've never seen somebody foul so many so many times in a game and not get a yellow. It was yeah. unbelievable. I might be exaggerating, but I thought he had like two or three fouls within like the first five minutes. Like maybe it was 10, 15 minutes. I can't quite remember the timestamp, but I remember it was kind of surprising. And um, it's just annoying. Like, again, I'm not defending Di Maria, trust me, from a United point of view, not defending Di Maria at all. But um. It's just annoying that Fernandinho actually goes off the pitch just to go confront them. And then obviously Di Maria reacts, which he shouldn't do. But Fernandinho just gets away scot-free. It's just very annoying. But no, I, I, th- I think that's probably some of the bias coming out as well. And um, just I know we haven't touched on the game yet, but what a nightmare final this is going to be. No one to cheer for. Like, what is this? Um, kind of kind of disappointing. But anyway, just back on this game, PSG had uh, zero shots on target in, in, in the semifinal, which you you literally can't do. And basically i know mbappe didn't play but most of the talent in their squad is up front so you kind of kind of figure that that'd be the one area where they'd be performing well in but it, it just didn't happen for them on the day man city were obviously really really good like you mentioned um Mares played really well ruben diaz he he played like i'm not going to go over the top but he played like a, a world-class center back already and and he's only 23 so he's just going to get going to get better but he was blocking everything and putting his head in the way and just clearing everything it was it was actually from a defender's point of view, it was just great to see that that actual defending isn't isn't qu- quite gone yet. Like like it seems a lot of the time. Um, and yeah, they, they, I don't know. It was very very impressive. And just one thing though that me and Aiden were discussing about PSG is that they actually don't have that great of a squad. Like in in I don't know about Aiden, but in my opinion, um, like just the fact you know Idrissa Gay is the starter, Leandro Paredes is the starter, um, you know Ander Herrera. If if there's a suspension, he's a starter, backer at, at left back, and Florenzi at right back, and I could go on Diallo and what they actually don't have as good a squad as most people, including me, would have would think when you just think of the team PSG. I think obviously a lot of that is due to the fact that you know Neymar and Mbappe, Di Maria, they've got some star names that kind of bounce off the paper whenever you see them. But I don't think it's overly surprising, and I don't think uh, well, I think they should be disappointed, but I don't think it's a like disgraceful that they that they were eliminated by PSG considering the squads that that they have and I think that's just something that that flew under the radar especially or yeah especially from a from a personal point of view obviously you think of or I think of PSG and I I just think what like top three clubs in Europe like by terms of talent by I actually don't think that they're there now when you kind of look at the squad and see what they have at their disposal and and even off the bench um their first sub like to influence the game is is Julian Draxler like that's probably not where you want to be as a club and you know Icardi paying 55 million for him and shipping out Cavani to make room for him which obviously that, that has backfired Icardi I think he had in the first half I think he had eight touches of the ball and don't I I would doubt he got many more in the second half and he just <laughs> I was looking at him a couple of times and obviously I know this from his inter days but not really a fan of running or pressuring or tracking back he's he's one of those guys who can be quiet for a whole game and and score a hat-trick but then if he's quiet and he doesn't score then you you really kind of notice and you you're basically playing with a man less in the team so that was kind of uh 
disappointing from PSG's point of view. And yeah, I guess there, there's no other way around it though, man. Uh, City deserved it uh, completely and, and they played really well. And like you mentioned, it was just important, I guess, for Pep not to overthink this one, just go out and do what they do best and set his players up to succeed in, in something that they're familiar with. And I guess that's, that's pretty much it for this game. Just, um, yeah, just, I guess, well done to, to Manchester City. Aiden, what do you think? I think that the the whole tie just came down to the the second half of the first leg. And in saying that, I think that PSG did have a really good first half to that first leg. I thought they were playing very well, as well as you really could against that Man City side. And uh, then you, someone like Di Maria, you see the contrast to the second leg and getting sent off. I thought in the first half there, he was very good in the, in the first leg, at least. But... Yeah, City definitely deserves to go through just all around. Like you're already touching on the squad and and the manager, just top to bottom. They just they deserve it. They're, they're the best team in Europe, top to bottom. And I really just wanted to see Bayern up against uh, City at some point or in the final, but I guess not this season. Um, so yeah, just I guess City are going to win the Champions League most likely, and and they well, I wouldn't write off Chelsea because we've already seen them beat City this season, but. It just looks like what Jack was touching on with the momentum and everything. It looks like it's it's City's year and they have this goal in mind and it's really all they care about. Like they just walked the league uh, after a certain point and now it's it's basically their time. So I expect them to get it done and they did deserve to go through not, not too much deep analysis into the game because I think for three out of the four halves, they basically were had a better player in every position of the pitch and even someone like Zinchenko that we've written off before, he played very well in uh, in the tie. And the only way I could have seen PSG getting back into it at the start of the second leg, Jake and I were talking about uh, once we saw Mbappe wasn't playing, was that uh, Kyle Walker was starting and he might lose the head and get sent off or something. But I guess it went the other way and Di Maria got sent off. So that's it for me. Yeah, for sure. Just really, really good from Man City and PSG. I, I do agree with you guys about... PSG's squad really it, it was very noticeable when you don't have Mbappe and have that that outlet and like their their squad overall they have like Backer coming on Baker whatever his name is like a not not the highest quality just as a squad not not the best and and when it comes to in terms of attitude and stuff and the the culture of that club I honestly think that that Pochettino, if he had a squad of of players rather than just having maybe two super like Mbappe and and, and Neymar, I think that his tactics and everything could potentially work better, uh, just with a more team oriented focus. But in terms of the culture of the club, it's they just seem like just a bunch of babies like even even Adrisa Gay I've never even for Everton I don't think I ever saw him going to a tackle like like he did in that first like just going to absolutely clean players out like could have seriously hurt Gundogan in that like and you see them lose their heads which is completely out of character but it's um yeah it's weird and it's it, it but it is somewhat satisfying to see uh PSG the only thing that they can't buy is the Champions League trophy at this point so it's good to see at least one of them can't can't make the final, but Man City by far the better side, and yeah, they they definitely are, they're they're the bookies' favorites for the for the final. Although I think Chelsea, uh, Chelsea do have a chance. We'll get onto that right now. Chelsea taking on Real Madrid and knocking Real Madrid out. So it's going to be Manchester City against Chelsea in the Champions League final. 
uh, I just thought that, like, first of all, Chelsea completely, both legs thought Chelsea were the better team and dictated play, created more chances. And it just shows, in my opinion, the end of a cycle for Real Madrid um, in, in terms of especially that midfield of, of Cruz and, and, and Modric. They just have a very, very old squad. And although technically when you're watching them, even in this game, technically they can pass and dribble and shoot. They can still do everything. Uh, they, they, they just don't have the same energy levels as a very, very young up-and-coming Chelsea side who already have elite-level players uh, who are very like who happen to be very good at pressing and very quick and a lot of pace and it just shows, in my opinion, the end of a cycle for Real Madrid and it's definitely going to be a team to keep keep an eye out because they have no money and I don't know how they're going to go about rebuilding the squad. I'm sure they'll somehow get some like government loans to to buy like I don't know <laughs> like Mbappe or Erling Holland somehow, but it's uh, it's definitely the end of an era for them. Just they just didn't they just looked like. They just looked like old men. They had Sergio Ramos coming, uh, coming back into the team. A lot of people were very critical of him. I didn't think he was terrible. I just didn't think he had enough protection in, in midfield. So he was getting a little bit exposed. And Havertz was on him the entire game, who I thought he was amazing. But uh, yeah, Chelsea, very, very, very good. Just very athletic. The end of an era. And Golo Conte for Chelsea, just so, so good. And just showed, in my opinion, the way that that the sport is going. I think that the number, before even having the greatest technical ability, I think if you're a coach and you have players who have pace and athleticism, who can press uh, and understand their positioning and can be taught how to press and win the ball back, I think that might be one of the most underrated aspects of the game, not just having really good athletes. Because you can, like, you, you can teach how to decision-making and passing a ball and saying, here, here's what I want you to do, but you can't teach athleticism. And, and Chelsea just looked so athletic in this one and uh, completely deserved to go through. And just if they finished their chances, could have blown Real Madrid away. But Jake, I'll, I'll come to you first. What are your thoughts for, uh, for both teams and, and the result? Yep. As you mentioned, it was, this was again, another, another deserved, um, uh, win for Chelsea and, and progression, I guess. And uh, I guess probably Real Madrid's standout player with the two legs was Courtois, which was um, not not surprising, but a little disappointing from a Madrid point of view when the goalkeeper has to has to be the, the man of the tie and still get eliminated with losses. So that was a little disappointing. Um, there, there was also, um, just skipping to after the game, there was also the, the hazard issue, which is it seems like a lot of uh, Real Madrid fans are, are tired of at the moment which i i just thought it was it was funny um obviously because i don't have any allegiance to hazard or chelsea or real madrid so i just found the funny side could definitely see why people were annoyed about it but um either way it just just seems like, like a horrible purchase at 120 million now plus add-ons is, which i doubt he's going to achieve to be honest but um and he, and he didn't play well at all either he was i thought they were in or, uh, sorry Early on in the first half, I thought there were a couple of times where he was okay, just like in, in close control dribbling, just being able to turn a, a man, but never really any substance to that. No, you know, line breaking passes or shots on target from those. Um, and then obviously just kind of disappeared completely. So that was disappointing. Um, I, I just found Real Madrid were really unorganized in their back five. At first, it looked like they were going to start with a back four. 
um, well, pre-game and stuff with Alliance, but I saw the post-game uh, press conference and Zidane mentioned that they played in the back five the whole time. They trained for that specifically, et cetera, which, I, again, I don't really think that's making the most of their resources if that's how they do. If they play Vinicius Jr., who's usually the left winger at right wing back, you could you could see that that didn't work out very well. Um, he was having to track back a lot and fouled a couple times. Uh, I can't remember if he picked up a yellow card or not, but I do remember there was a foul on Chilwell by, near the touchline, which has seemed to happen like it seemed like it happened two or three times so that was a little um a little perplexing i guess they didn't really from from what i remember they didn't really create that many chances i think that the main chance was when benzema did like a, a a really good spin and shoot and, and mendy turned it out for a corner just saved it with his left hand which that was a really good moment but that was pretty much the only thing there might have been another benzema header i can't remember if it was off a corner or anything but there wasn't too much happening there um and yeah, there was lots of possession and passing from them, but but little substance. And um, like you mentioned, Jack, I think I was probably a bit more critical of of Sergio Ramos than you guys were. Um, obviously, I'm not saying this is his fault because literally 35 years old, just coming back from months out with an injury and in, into a Champions League semifinal. So it definitely couldn't have been easy for him. Um, and we know the way he defends, right? He likes to jump up in the play, try and break stuff up and and just can be a little rash sometimes and this is also something else that i wrote down so i'm not i'm not making this up on the spot i wrote down that he was very he was left very isolated as well um especially you saw in the, in the back three because militao and and nacho would go out wide quite a bit so he was he was left alone in the center um uh, on on many occasions and it's obviously at some points it, it was hard for him and i just thought that there were a couple chances that came from when he jumped up to and just being too aggressive that he didn't need to but obviously can't blame him for that just trying his best to to uh, stop the play developing and just speaking about jumping up and stuff it was kind of crazy how many times Chelsea kind of got in behind and how how much space there was behind Real's uh, midfield obviously I think that's probably due to in the most part to Cruz and Modric um being obviously wonderful players but quite slow like you mentioned Jack and just not having the legs anymore um which I I kind of Maybe after this season, I kind of wonder if like Federico Valverde gets a starting spot over one of these two and they just start to rotate just as the age um, advances. I know last season they kind of started that at the beginning of the season. Zidane did with Valverde mostly starting instead of Modric, just literally just to get the legs in the midfield and being able to have someone who goes up and down. Um, but it, obviously he's not at the at the quality level exactly with the ball, etc. as Cruz and Modric. So uh, over the, this season, they've come back in, but... I wonder if that's just something to do for next season because it's been kind of weird this season. Uh, it didn't specifically happen in these two games against Chelsea, but I was reading an article on The Athletic and they were detailing how in possession, um, Casemiro is the furthest midfielder up, like almost playing as an attacking midfielder. And and when Madrid don't have the ball, he's the furthest back as a, as a defensive midfielder just to break things up. So it's obviously a lot of wear and tear on, on his body and a lot of responsibility to not not carry the midfield, but basically do the running for the three midfielders and just Cruz and Modric are there just to complete the passing and stuff, which was obviously when, when they're against a, a certain type of team, it, it works. But against Chelsea, who we know under Tuchel like to press and like to run at players, uh, obviously in Golo Kante as well, um, just being there, it just it makes it a lot harder for them. And yeah, I don't really have anything else other than that to say it was just again credit to Chelsea that they managed to get it through and Golo Kante actually speaking about it the Kante and, and Mares being man of the match in, in both legs I think for for their teams which was uh pretty impressive coming from from obviously that that Leicester team which I saw mentioned a lot over the past week and um 
yeah other than that it was just it was just interesting it just the last thing on Cruz and Modric like they're obviously they're very able and in this game they were dropping back I think Modric quite quite often was dropping between some of the center backs and picking out passes which worked very well and um well worked very well in the term of passing it just didn't create anything from there but there's still a role for them in this team it's just if they could get the legs around them to to make sure that they don't you know waste all their energy running up and down and not not being able to get on the ball as much as they would like so it's just a interesting time to transition I guess for Madrid and we'll see how they do it I wouldn't be surprised if Valverde starts more often than not um starting next season but I'm not I don't want to go over stuff I've already touched on so that's it for me from this game Aiden what did you think Yeah, Chelsea definitely deserved to go through. They, they had, Madrid didn't really have anything for them at all. And I think that, like you guys touched on, it was basically just the speed and the athleticism in the midfield. As well as that, I don't really think that, like Jake was saying, I don't really think that playing with the back five was the best uh, utilization of Madrid's players. Um, but maybe... Maybe Zidane was just thinking we'll try to match up with Chelsea's system a little bit, and if if we have better players on the day, or or we get a little bit lucky and in a bunch of one v one situations, maybe we can kind of win the game. It might allow for players like Hazard and Vinicius to get one v one up against their players. But since the midfield wasn't really pushing forward, and there would often be multiple Chelsea players marking the forward players of Real Madrid. Um, there's no other than someone like Isco. I don't really think there's too many good options in terms of like an attacking midfielder, like a number 10 that you could play there. Maybe someone like Hazard, but just in terms of those three that you're talking about, Cruz, Modric and uh, Casemiro, they're all more defensive midfielders, especially, or like box to box, but not even these days, Cruz and Modric, like you guys are kind of highlighting, kind of just sit there, especially Cruz and play the passes. So I think those were a lot of the factors in the game. And then, like you said, Venetius always having to track and then Werner, Havertz and uh, Mount players like that always pressing. And every time that Conte got on the half turn, he was just blowing through right into right up against the defender. So I don't really think just knowing being a defender is like, if a mid, if you're marking forwards all game or attacking players, and then a midfielder starts to come in, come into your space too, and there's no one tracking him, and then you've also got a player running on the side of you, I always think of it as like no man's land. Like, what are you gonna do? You either step up and try to tackle him, or you just keep backing off and and track your man and let him have a shot at goal. So that's a bit of a problem area for Real Madrid, in my opinion. But Courtois had a very good game and yeah like Jack said if Chelsea took their chances it probably could have been like 6-0 on aggregate or something like that uh, players like Mount missing their chances but every time I see Mason Mount I get more and more impressed with how he plays but I think the star man uh, over the two legs was Conte and yeah we'll see Werner he got he got a goal there but I'm, I'm still not convinced with his finishing prowess and I'll be interested to see how both these teams transition into next season. Uh, if Chelsea try to play with a different system, a different number nine, if they try to stick ha- uh, Havertz as a striker, how they deal with that situation, because uh, Werner, he's missed uh, 17 or 18 big chances this season, which is maybe it was just an, uh, kind of an aberration or a one-off kind of season, but you can't be having that if you want to progress up in the league. So, I'll be interested to see how they deal with that problem. 
And also some of their defenders had good games. Uh, Jake and I were laughing about how he runs, but Rudiger, I think he was, he was pretty impressive on the, on the most part, even though I don't really like him that much. And uh, like we said, for the, at least for the first half of the second leg, uh, Ben Chilwell was really just pushing Vinicius back, which was the big uh, weak point in the Real Madrid armor. And then for Real Madrid, like you guys were already touching on, just transitioning from the old team. I'm like, Jack, I don't really see how that's going to work. Uh, and I see a lot of these players wanting to play on, like Modric, like Cruz, especially, uh, and Ramos, especially someone like Cruz, who I don't really think his game has ever been too, too much about running. And with the skill set he, that he has, he probably thinks in his mind he can still play at the top level uh, based on his technical ability. So I'm, I'm not really sure, uh, plus the funding issues that we know Real Madrid has, has how they're going to transition out of this. Maybe this is why in the past they've they've bought some younger players, but I don't think they've really bought them a lot of times in the right positions, like your Rodrigo's, like your Vinicius's. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And then also with the possibility you're hearing of Iran leaving, the question marks just continue to grow. So I'm not sure. Like we always say, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but it was a very impressive performance and there's no one to cheer for in the final. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I did see I have a couple things before we move on to the Europa League. Uh, one being, I've seen a lot of people saying that all oh, the it's now it's just turning into uh, the Premier League teams playing in the Champions League final because they have so much money. It's year after year after year. I think it's only like the fourth fourth time that it's ever happened and also it doesn't come from the fact that the premier league teams are much richer like you have barcelona and real madrid who've who've spent over 100 million on eden hazard for him to not do anything and they bought him when he was like 28 or something for like over 100 million for him to do nothing so you're looking at clubs who are spending like 150 million on coutinho like these sort of fees it's not to do with the fact in my opinion I know the Premier League as a league has has more money, but in terms of the fact that the Premier League teams are the ones who are going to continue to reach the finals, I can I completely disagree with that because you're just looking at how some of these other massive clubs are using their resources, and it's down to their management and how they've bought and sold players. So for Real Madrid, I think if they're going to transition, they've got some they've got some players out on loan. They they should just do what every other team in the world does and look to sell your players to balance the books rather than try to create a super league and, and join it and do it that way. But uh, I'm just joking, but they have like Martin Odegaard on loan. They have Lujovic out on loan. They have all of these players that they could sell to raise funds to, to buy players so they can slowly uh, integrate, integrate the new players and slowly uh, take uh, Modric and Cruz out of the, out of the starting 11 over time. Cause, but like you guys said, I also think they still have stuff to offer and the top players. So they're not going to just say like, I'm, I'm done at the very top level. Uh, another thing I was watching Luka Modric. He's like 35 or 36 years old. And I'm not joking. I, I still think I was watching him. He's not the fastest, but I think he would still be Everton's second fastest midfielder after Decore, which is quite embarrassing. But um, another thing, a couple of thoughts here. Shout out to Frank Lampard, who said that this squad was like years away or not even close, like not ready to take it to the next level. It just shows that Tuchel is a very good coach. And also, I, I'm still, we've discussed it on the podcast before, why Lampard chose to jump into to such a, a high-pressure job. But 
uh, we'll, we'll touch on that with Arteta, I'm sure. But um, yeah, overall, it should be a good final. We'll we'll preview we'll preview that when when the time comes. Obviously, those guys play this weekend, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how they line up and how that game goes. But I think in terms of squad quality, we mentioned it with PSG not having the squad that you think is actually as good as you. Uh, you'd think, but when you really look at it, it's not the best. In terms of squads across Europe, where would you guys, so last question here before we move on to United Roma and the Europa League, where would you guys place Man City and Chelsea's squads in Europe? I think they might be one and two. Jake, Jake, I'll come to you first. What, what do you think about the squads? Yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. I'd probably put City as number one. I'm trying to think of other squads that are a bit better. Like I'm, I'm thinking maybe Bayern, but they don't really have like backup attackers. Maybe like one winger, um, Barcelona and Real. They're not quite there. Maybe you're right. Maybe one and two. I, I, I could say confidently I'd put Chelsea in the top five. Um, maybe it's it's something for another episode where we actually rank them. But I, yeah, top five for sure. Uh, obviously, just with the investment coming in, and I don't want to get sidetracked again. But just as you mentioned, the difference between Tuchel and, and Lampard, just the defensive improvement as well. I think if I think it being a season, all three of us said that that was going to be their main area for concern. I think they've kept like seven clean sheets in the last eight games or something as well. So I just want to point that out. That was impressive. But yeah, Chelsea or City, number one squad in Europe. Chelsea probably around number three, I would say. Um, Aiden, what do you think? Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I don't think Chelsea have, in some positions, they don't have the most spectacular players, but they have like six of them. So uh, it's good enough if they're if they're all like decent players. But yeah, so I'd say Chelsea second, City first. I'd have to take a look at it. But if you're mentioning um, a team like Bayern Munich and and they're not they're not cutting it, that's probably all you could really look to, right? Uh, the other ones should really pop off the page. So they probably are one and two. Yeah, and last thing I'll say about Chelsea, and it's in regards to Timo Werner, this guy needs to start scoring. I wasn't even confident he was going to score that open header, and he did score an offside goal in that game. But I still think that if Christian Pulisic, if he's 100% fit, like he showed, because he's very, very good coming off of the bench, I still think he's probably their best, not midfielder, because I think Mason Mount's their overall best like attacker as in terms of the whole squad. But in terms of like the front three positions, I think that if Christian Pulisic is fully fit, I still think he's probably at this point in time, my opinion, every time I've seen him come off the bench and stuff and get these opportunities, he's looked really good. I think he might be their best uh, in my opinion, but the, the, he can never stay fit. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with him. Cause it seems like Tuchel doesn't fully trust him and his comments after the game saying like he is frustrated and he keeps having to prove himself for us. When he's come on, he's done really well, and he was very, very good when he came off, uh, or when he when he played in the first leg as well. But yeah, it's uh, it's exciting for Chelsea. They're back in the Champions League final. Like I said, we'll preview that when the time comes. Uh, let's touch on the Europa League actions. Man United taking on Roma, who have <laughs> recently announced that Jose Mourinho will be managing them next season. But uh, for now, Man United advancing to the finals in the Europa League. I'm going to be honest, guys, I didn't watch either of the two ties from, from this one because I was focused on Arsenal because I had a feeling that they would get knocked out, and I just wanted to see how that would go down. Uh, but I'll let you guys talk about United, the performances, and what it means to be back in the back in the final. 
Yeah, thank you, Jack. Uh, just to touch on the game to start off, it was absolutely a shocking game from United, uh, especially after halftime. You saw the Luke Shaw and, and Juan Bissaka both come off for Williams and Tellez. Um, and by, by in from the start, he looked very, very rusty as well. It was not a good game at all. Obviously, the, the 6-2 um, uh, advantage really gave United like some, some leeway, but <laughs> I, I don't know if this is how Aiden feels as well, but there were definitely times in the second half where I genuinely felt that United might be on course to lose this one, especially I think there was a 10-minute span where Roma scored twice, and I think they hit the post, and they had made like three wonder saves or something like that. So I was definitely nervous at that point, but uh, United just managed to to weather the storm. Cavani added one later on, which um, really kind of put the tie to bed. Obviously, Roma then scored after that to to win the individual game. But honestly, I'm not I'm not bothered about that too much. It is a little bit annoying that it just would have been nice not to lose this game. But the fact that United made to the made it to the final has, has kind of overshadowed the disappointment for that by a lot it's just very i know we were messaging jack i messaged you the next morning uh it's just very very um satisfying and and very happy just to see united back in the final really where the club belongs it's been much too long and i know that there's no way this game is over yet i'm not underestimating anyone but it's been so such a long time since united has won a trophy i think it's been the longest um the longest like the year span since before sir alex ferguson took charge which is really ridiculous it's been what like whatever 40 years or whatever um so that's just disappointing from that point of view but just very nice to get a chance to to redeem ourselves and i'm just happy that that this one isn't an all english final as well because that really would have been incredibly boring and we've seen how the united arsenal games have gone this year so that's a, a bullet dodge but yeah just kind of happy with this one uh started out pretty well cavani scored a nice uh, a nice finish sorry and and yeah just kind of went from there and i don't want to repeat myself because i don't really think there's much more to touch on this game it was kind of a, a dead game at the start even though that kind of contradicts what i said about thinking united could lose it for a couple minutes but um yeah other than that just incredibly incredibly happy to to have united back in the final and very excited to see how it goes the final's not in, in that long i think it's in two and a half weeks or something so um It'll it'll be exciting anyway as, as a United fan just to just to be back in a in a final in Europe and I guess if you back at the time if you would have asked us um I think it's probably better to be in the final of the Europa League than get knocked out in the group stage of the Champions League but that's probably just a hundred percent biased um point of view just the the way United United is is now so I think that's kind of just why I'm saying that but I do kind of believe it a little bit as well and you just always want success no matter where it comes um. But yeah, Aiden, what do you think about this game? Yeah, I'm happy United made it to the final. It was not a good game by any means. Um, no, I didn't think that they were going to choke it, given the, the current state of the game. But if one, one more of those goals would have went in in that three or four minute span, then certainly it, it could have been possible, given how shaky they looked. And uh, you know what? Fair play to De Gea. I think his time at the club is coming to an end, especially given his uh, his wage bill and the current rumors about uh Funnily enough, teams like AS Roma looking to, to purchase him, maybe. Uh, but he did play a really good game. And uh, yeah, definitely man of the match. There wasn't any other standouts. And the only point of contention or kind of disappointing thing for me was that I think that it could have been a chance to give a little bit more of a, a blended team. I know Van de Beek and, and Bayi started, but uh, just to, 
some players haven't got a lot of minutes and just to give them a little bit more hunger it looked to me like Pogba players like this didn't have their their best game and almost the tie was done not really motivated at all so someone else could have done a better job in my opinion maybe even someone like Matic who's been a I mean, he's not, I'm not his favorite fan, but he's been a good servant for the club. I think he could have just gone in there and controlled, been a steady head. And from what I hear, he is a leader in the dressing room. So that could have been a shout out. I was glad to see Donnie play, but I think it could have been a bit more of a blended lineup and it could have made for a, a better overall showing because those more backup players would have been hungry. But that's obviously not like an exact science. As we saw with Bai, he didn't have the best game. So, uh, yeah can't really complain because they go to the final, but uh, you expect to beat Roma, right? In any game with United, given the players that they have. So it is a bit disappointing. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I guess it doesn't like when you're in tournaments and stuff, it doesn't matter how you play as long as you get through and they, they have made the final. And like, like I said earlier, I, I expect them to win the whole thing. And, with United squad that you could probably say is you have the likes of, yeah, the likes of Pog, but you have the likes of Bruno Cavani, who apparently I was listening every time he plays against Roma, even back in his uh, Napoli days, apparently he used to score on them every single game, but Cavani, what a, what a signing he's been. I think like for me, at least, I think I completely underestimated how, how elite he's been over the last 10 years. And just because he's a little bit older, I probably thought, oh, maybe it's just starting to decline. But for, for him, from what I've seen, it's just a matter of him staying fit. And if he's fit, then he's going to bag goals because his movement's so good. And he's still much, much faster than you'd actually think. But uh, just a very, very good striker. And it's it's it looks like United have almost almost confirmed that he's going to sign uh, sign the, the extension to the contract and uh, like I've said earlier, I, th- I think United, their, their squad is probably Champions League quality when you're looking at them compared to the other teams in the Europa League. And uh, we do expect them to win. I think they kind of they kind of need to win it. But I playing against Villarreal, I think that I think that there's not going to be any problems to be honest. But the building the squad, and I think that if they can get. A, a right winger, a defensive midfielder, and another center back in the summer. I think that they could maybe a goal, maybe a goalkeeper. But uh, if they address some of the key issues within the squad, I think that they could really start to challenge because they they do have some really good players. And um, Solskjaer has definitely turned it around. It's been a it's been a quite a while now before we've actually come to say what's going on here because the 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 results. I personally haven't seen the performances because I haven't seen some of these games, but the results are starting to get very, very consistent in terms of them winning games, uh, picking up points, but also beating the teams that you'd expect them to beat. So uh, like, like we always say, which is the generic term when we don't know uh, what else to say is we just say, let's see what happens in summer. And then we'll go from there. Do you guys have any, any last thoughts on it? Not, not so much. No, just uh, I guess it's time to for me to to kind of eat some humble pie before Aiden kind of says it for me. Um, I think I was as Aiden likes to remind me. I was I was also one at the beginning of the season who doubted the Cavani signing. I think I may have said Alexis Sanchez 2.0, and I am really regretting that at the moment. It's 
yeah it's not a good thing i I think we might have to delete that episode because i don't ever want to hear that pop up again but um yeah like you mentioned just in this in these two games cavani i think he got four goals and two assists just against roma so that's basically carried us through uh well not basically it has carried us through so fair play to cavani and i'm i I doubt he's listening but if he is i apologize for for doubting you that's it for me I'm hoping the pie tastes good, Jacob. But other than that, uh, just, yeah, someone like Bruno had a really good game and we don't even talk about it anymore. Just he has so many of those, it seems like. And even if he's giving the ball away lots, his key actions are what makes the difference. The beautiful ball there uh, to Cavani for the nice-headed goal. And then I didn't really touch on how I feel about United making the Europa League final. Obviously, I'm pleased with it, but it has to kind of be a springboard. And if the if the, the squad wins a trophy and the manager wins a trophy, it just has to kind of spark them. And, and they, they enjoy this feeling. They, they love winning trophies and they have to push on from there. And everyone in the club has to push on from there. And it's going to be a big summer with the new appointments uh, like Murdoch and Fletcher. Hopefully they can get some of their ideas heard and, and get some signings in and kind of prove what they're about. And yeah, like you said, just, We'll have to wait and see based on the recruitment because that really is everything. And given the current squad that they have, maybe like three or four uh, key signings, I'm really only expecting two, but that would really uh, solidify them as like a top three or top two Premier League uh, team, in my opinion, if everybody's fit. And then the last thing I have to say about what you were saying about Cavani, Jack was spot on. And I think it kind of highlights before we had Cavani how the lack of a real striker was uh, missing someone like Martial isn't actually a real striker or he can't play in this system as the the focal point number nine week in week out so that'll be another interesting thing to see I don't want to write him off too early and I could come to regret this but uh, seeing how Cavani's played I'm sure Ole will want to bring in another kind of prototype number nine and this could force Martial to leave the club because is he going to really want to be a backup winger I'm not so sure Sorry, Jake. I know you won't like the Martial slander, but I just think that it's Cavani's arrival has shown that, even though I do love Tony. No worries. It's the uh, I'd rather the club be good than Tony be successful with the club not winning anything. So that's that's where I'm at right now. Yep. So United through to the Europa League final, where they are going to be taking on Villarreal, who knocked out Arsenal. Unai Emery. Pretty much coming back to bite his former club. And my, my first thought from the game, because, like, first of all, I thought that there was definitely a chance that Arsenal would go out. But my first thought after after the result, I am happy for Unai Emery because he did come across as a good guy. We haven't spoken a lot about him on the podcast because we started after, uh, I believe, Arteta our, our and Ancelotti yeah, had already taken, taken over. But I think Unai... In terms of the media and the way he's portrayed and just made fun of and kind of harassed by the fans when it was quite obvious that I think the main problem may have just been a language barrier um, in terms of getting his his points across to the players. Because at Arsenal, you couldn't really see what they were trying to do uh, tactically. There wasn't really any sort of style. But Villarreal is fairly clear. They're just playing it around midfield. They have some tidy midfielders on the ball and then look to play in the channels and then get the get the crosses is quite uh, quite simple but he he does seem to be a good coach and definitely deserves respect but 
completely harassed by the media for the language barrier, which I think is very, very unfair. I, I, I really, really don't like that. So it's, I was happy to see Unai get some revenge on his former club. And, and uh, I, I don't think they have a chance in the final, by the way, but they definitely deserve to beat Arsenal. They completely outplayed them for, uh, for both of the legs and even the penalty in the first game as, 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 much as VAR has gone against Arsenal this season, and it definitely has, they've been screwed over so many times, probably more than than any other team, in, in my opinion. I thought that they were quite fortunate to get the penalty because the player who gave it away, he actually pulled his leg out in the contact. I think it was Sack actually kind of like dragged his leg. But nonetheless, I thought Villarreal was very good. Arsenal were really poor in both of the legs. And basically, they're it looks like based off where they are in the Premier League this season, it's going to be their first time in many years uh, in a lot of their fans' lives that they haven't had any European football. Like it's one of those things where, you know, the media hounding out Arsene Wenger because all Arsenal did were getting top four year after year, which for some, some fans like myself, I would, I would love that. And then maybe go on a, you know, like a title contender run for like one season now and then, but they hounded it out, hounded them out after years of getting them top four and looking at them now. I just, I don't know, they're in a really, really bad place. No European football. You, everybody knows the squad needs an overhaul. Some of the decisions by Arteta, who, in my opinion, now, not that he's the main problem and not that if they get a different manager, it really makes that much of a difference because the and and structure of the club and the ownership we know it's just an absolute basket case at the moment but i think that like some of the decisions by arteta he took off obemiang when they needed a goal that's a sackable offense and rare in my opinion um again if, if he does go and he shows the job is like far too big for him and the pressure of being an arsenal manager at this point in time in this season with everything that's going uh on over the over the last year or so and just with their ownership it's just not a place that's really and similar to lampard if you're a an experienced coach i would probably suggest try to get experience at, at a letter lesser profile and work and learn and your mistakes aren't magnified so much but uh yeah arsenal i, I don't know where they go from here I would say they should probably take an even bigger step back and just next season start playing the kids. They've got Saka, they've got Martinelli, they've got Smith Rowe, uh, they've got Gabriel, got um, the center back Saliba out on loan, bring him back, you know, all these really exciting young players. And yes, they will make mistakes and there will be bumps along the road. I think that if they want to build or make a like a core foundation of players and transition this squad, I don't like using that word, but transition this squad and kind of um, create change and make the squad younger, hunger. I don't know. It's it's a it's a difficult situation if you're an Arsenal fan. I could see why they'd want the the owners out and the manager doesn't look. He hasn't to prove that he's capable of taking them to the next level. So. It's it's not good for them, but Jake, what do what do you think about the result? Both sides, Villarreal. Yeah, uh, definitely happy with 
a result, I think, as I think I just touched on it earlier. We've seen um, United's uh, games against Arsenal this year. This it, it would it would have made for a nervy final because Arsenal are not a good team at all. But United have just struggled against them uh, in the last two years. So at least there's those extra nerves are not there this time. Uh, I was checking uh, Villarreal's fixtures as well. I think they play. Well, I know for a fact that they play Sevilla, then they play Real Madrid, and then they play uh, United. I think it's like six days or four days after the Real Madrid game. Um, so it's a very tough run. And I'm hoping, obviously, that they have a a tough, uh, not sorry, not a tough run. And I'm hoping that they have a reason that they need to still be competing for that tough run. And like maybe I don't think they could squeeze top four, but maybe if they just need to to squeeze the final Europa League spot for next season, just in case they don't win the final. I think that would be ideal. Just, you know, gain any little advantage as well. I, I think United are pretty much consolidated in the top four now. I think they're they're five points ahead of Leicester with um, two games in hand. Uh, so that's looking like a very good position. Obviously, need to win those games in hand, but still. And yeah, just kind of like you mentioned, Arsenal had their chances. I think Aubameyang hit the post twice this game. And it, it was very weird that he was the one subbed off when they needed a goal, which I don't understand at all. Um, but yeah, just as you mentioned, just the, the style of play is, is different in, in Spain. Like everyone can pass. It's like you mentioned, Emery didn't quite exactly work out at, at Arsenal just because some he is a defensive coach but also he does rely on passing quite a bit um and like for example you know like burn leno not exactly the best passer with the ball at his feet or like um rob holding or you know callum chambers or whatever where in spain it's literally like a basic requirement for every single player to be able to to pass like extremely well um and obviously we know that just from the style of the league but I think that that's kind of made a difference as well. Obviously, he's also just doing a good job at Villarreal. There's no getting around that. There's, I'm not trying to deflect or anything. So I, I don't mind Emery at all. Like you said, I think it was pretty disrespectful, to be honest, the way the, the English media would make fun of him. And he did say after the game, I think he said when he was in England and whenever they whenever they won, whenever he said uh, his good evening, they would say that was a term of endearment. But then whenever they lost, they would use it personally against them. So that's obviously not... Um, something that you like to hear and um yeah for Arsenal it's kind of a, a a bitter pill to swallow no Champions League now for five years and no European competition at all next season um changes are needed like I, I would say definitely um and yeah I just personally I didn't really like the hype Arteta was getting um before he took over just the fact that he was Pep's assistant for two seasons I don't think that should be like a obviously some people can say the same for Solskjaer who I've defended like very very much just the fact that he was just a manager in Norway um but yeah just um the fact that he was just Pep's assistant I think me and Aiden have, have touched on this uh like with each other I, I don't think that should be enough to be able to ensure he gets the the Arsenal job and now I will move on to you Aiden Yeah, so I didn't watch either of these legs. I'm just going to quickly gloss over what I think about it. Um, Villarreal, obviously making it to the final. And I think that United should be able to beat them, and they will just based on the, like we've, it's kind of been a theme for this podcast, uh, the physicality and the difference between the players should be enough, in my opinion, to get United to win. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if Villarreal try to sit in and just soak up the pressure. But I also don't think they have too much pace on the counterattack. When you look at players like uh, Jared Moreno and others in the team, they're not very fast. You saw in the second leg there, he absolutely turned Rob Holding at the end of the game, but he just could not get away from him. He just had to check back and pass it back. So I think that overall the uh, physicality of United should be able to get them to win. 
As for Arsenal, it is it is definitely disappointing for them. It's it's really their only chance of Champions League football, and now it's just been a very very bad season. And I'm not really sure where they go from there. I'm not a big Arteta guy. I'm not gonna lie. I've, I've had some harsh words against him, but I don't really think that any manager would do do too much better with this team. Uh, because he has played a lot of times a defensive style and it still hasn't worked out. I just think that their team overall isn't that good, but it could be a combination of both as to why they're so low in the table. Um, maybe a, a more experienced manager could, could have got some results, but I don't think it would make a, a world of difference. And I don't think that it's worth getting rid of him just for the sake of getting rid of him, if that makes sense. Uh, other than that, I don't want to dig in too much to Arsenal because their spirits are probably low at this moment and their position in the table is very low. So we don't need to pile on. Take it away, Jack. Yeah, like like you said, that Arteta, whether he goes or not, it's kind of irrelevant. He hasn't really proved that he's the man to take them to the next level, but the squad, like Arsenal, no fans know the squad isn't good, but I think like rival fans, when you're making, when you see all these people making fun of Arsenal and trying to compare them to like Chelsea and even Spurs, I'm like, how can you compare the two? Like they have much better squads. Like talking Pablo Mari and Rob Holding at the back for center back. I don't think, I don't even think I would take either of them at everything, even for the bench based off, based off what I've seen. And this is coming off the back of a performance where our center backs literally fall over and give them the ball, for, give Villa the ball the goals but um they'll they'll need some investment to get new players but the problem is without european football not only will that not help attract players it's also like fiscally do they have the do they have the money now that they're out of europe but we'll have to see if if Kronky's willing to put up i'm sure he won't but we'll have to see from a business perspective i don't know how they're going to go about doing that but like i said Maybe they take a step back and then go with the young players for now and give them some experience. But if you do that, you are, I guess you are uh, sacrificing the kind of competitive nature of them trying to achieve higher up position in the table. But having said that, that's what they're probably trying to do right now. And they're failing drastically. They're still below Everton. They've played, they've played more games. So it's, it's not looking good. It's like very, very much a, uh, a low point for Arsenal fans. It's hard. We say it all the time. Like we'll we'll wait and see what happens. But but in this case, you know, lots has to be done. They're not even close to being a team that looks like they're going to be a a really solid team fairly soon. But um, it it's definitely interesting to say the least. We'll have to like we'll have to wait and see and how they go about trying to fix the the problem. But um, it'll be it'll be an interesting summer but any any last thoughts on on this one or just a quick prediction from you guys i i personally think man united will not struggle at all against villarreal although gerard moreno is very like his his goal scoring this season i, I can't I, I don't know exactly how many goals he has but he's been very even one of the most like impressive players in in europe this season from someone that i haven't really seen too much of but uh the, the stats and the goals speak for themselves. So you could pose a threat, but other than that, I think that United have too much quality. So what do you think going into the, going into the final? I'm sure we'll go over it in, in more detail, but do you expect them to win in the final? Yeah, I do. Um, 
Joseph, of course, is expecting United to win most games. United have had a good record against the Spanish teams as well this season in the Europa League. Uh, Real Sociedad and Granada. So hopefully that trend keeps going. I know I'm mostly like the kind of a fan who gets nervous going into any game, like no matter who you're against, like going against, you know, West Brom, I'd be like, oh, what if Mateus Pereira, like, bosses us? Like, that's an extreme example, but something like that. But I also need to remember that most most other fans would be nervous coming up against United. Like, I think it's because I've seen so much of United that I've seen some of the inconsistencies, but United have really, really turned the corner since, uh, I think, pretty much since a bit after the new year where they really, you know, like we mentioned, went went behind in every game and then come back to win. But, of course, United still do that on occasion, but they have looked more solid, like more, I don't know, like more efficient, I guess, working together. And I, I am confident for this game, especially United have had a, a good run in the Europa League as well, blowing out some teams like Sociedad 4-0, Roma 6-2. Um, so that would be promising. And, of course, I think United obviously just a much bigger budget, much, much bigger player base and, and everything, um, I'm sure, obviously, motivation as well to win the final and finally get a trophy after such a long time. And Solskjaer finally getting past a, uh, obviously, this wasn't his fault, but Solskjaer in, in his reign finally getting past the semifinal uh, hurdle. So uh, I think just just winning the final should obviously uh, happen. And I, I think United are pretty pretty clear favorites to, to win. And I'm just very excited to see how it goes down uh, on the 25th, I believe. Uh, Aiden, what do you think? Yeah, I already touched on it in my part about the Villarreal Arsenal game, but yeah, I just think the physicality of the Premier League versus La Liga, I know it's kind of just putting it in a, kind of just shoehorning it into one section. It's pretty basic analysis, but I just think that'll be too much. And also the, just overall the quality of the players. Um, so I'm just going to say 2-0, United will win. That's it. Not too much to add. Not nervous. If you can't beat Villarreal, if you're Man United, then what are you doing? That's what I say about a lot of United games. The expectations have to be there. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I think they'll win. I I, I, don't, I think there's just too much quality. Like you have Bruno, you have Pogba, you have Cavani, you have Maguire, who's had a very good second half of this season. I, I think there's just too much quality. And also, I should probably point out that it looks like Samuel Chukweze, who's, um, who is probably the most impressive player uh, for me over the over the two legs although he did get injured in the second leg and I believe he's missing the final I don't know what the injury was but uh, he looked like he was a one of their biggest threats and a really talented player uh, but looks like he's going to miss the final so right away they had to bring on I think like a youth like a youth player off the bench that I've never heard of so I think you know I'll just have too much quality I think they will win like I said, again, we'll, we'll preview the finals for both the Champions League and the Europa League when the time comes in a couple of weeks. But uh, I think I think for this week, I think that's all. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at OTL Soccer Pod. And I just want to say thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you. Bye.